0: future we're talking real money
1: welcome to a special edition of talking real money the podcast on today's episode we are going to discuss the second most important expense in your life if you are a parent with children the number one expense in your life as we've said over and over again is retirement well number two it's college, secondary education. It's getting your kids educated after they get out of high school. And it turns out it's a very expensive proposition. As a matter of fact, it's so expensive that if you have a couple of kids, it could be like buying a house, sending these kids to college. I'm Don McDonald, along with Tom Cock here on Talking Real Money. And we're joined by a very special guest when we don't have guests very
2: often mr Jim Femia. yeah and let me oh, tell you a little bit about you. Jim he's uh I, oh, I don't I never never put this word in front of my name okay but he's okay with it I guess senior financial <laughs> advisor he's uh, been in the business for 25 years but importantly he focuses on not just retirement as most of us do he also fo- focuses on college planning and as part of that he holds the certified college funding specialist designation CCF S for those of you playing along at home, you two mentioned the cost letters. Ah, pardon me. I'll tell, I, I tell you what's too much is yeah. the cost of all this. I looked it up because yeah. I got somebody who's headed that way. She's a sophomore in high school right now. And I thought I'd been a great saver, but then you see the cost of these things. Um, four years, a pub, this is right off the internet. So it could be right. Could be wrong. Jimmy. Right off the internet. You never know. You never know about this stuff, but it says the average cost of student living on campus for four years in-state public school, hundred and four thousand dollars. Out-of-state wow. public school, hundred and eight. But since my daughter goes to a private high school, she's likely to go to a private college, and the cost of that is, and this is not for-profit school, four years on campus, two hundred and twenty-three thousand dollars, which could buy you a really nice house somewhere in the Midwest. I think so. Any rate, um. Jim, this that's, is that's low,
3: guys. That's, that's low. low.
2: <laughs> that's low. Okay, there thanks. You're a real help here. <laughs> but I mean, okay, so I'm a parent, I'm trying to figure out, I mean, how do we even start thinking about the, I know we're going to talk about the scholarships and all the rest of it, but the saving part, when, where, how much, it's just so doggone complicated. Yeah,
3: it is hard. It is hard. You know, like, like any goal, especially, especially a financial goal, the, the earlier you start, the better, right? That's obvious. But the challenge for a young family is you have all these competing goals, right? You have retirement, maybe you're saving for a home, maybe you're paying down debt. And you know, I always recommend that you start with with retirement, especially if you have a company match available to you. So that's where you should always start. But you know, again, if you are saving for a home or paying down debt, I say you know focus there next. Uh, but any dollar that you can put towards college, I suggest you do so. You know, every dollar that you save now is one dollar less that you'll need to borrow in the in the future. So. You know, as I work with families over the years, I have found that that any parent that has saved a significant amount in a 529 college savings plan or a brokerage account has done so by sticking to a systematic savings program. You know, just putting a fixed amount of money dollars in every single month and then maybe adding to it from time to time with bonus. Um, But, you know, like anything, the earlier you start, the better.
1: And that's the big issue for a lot of families, and and I, I guarantee a lot of listeners are sitting there going, "Yeah, nice. Uh, I I'm saving for retirement. Uh, we're trying to buy a house and send the kids to school. There just is not enough money. What are other options that parents can can fall back on if they're if they're just not able to put away two hundred thousand dollars or one hundred and sixty thousand or one hundred and
3: twenty thousand for four years of college? Exactly, and that's the norm with most families. To be honest with you, it's um. It, I think it's it's important to distinguish between the different types of financial aid. Right, there's there's need-based aid and there's merit-based aid. So so merit aid is all going to be based on on the student. Right, their GPA, their SAT scores, their extracurricular activities. All these things are going to go into a what I call a student resume. And and the stronger that resume, the more marketable the student is. Right. So colleges are going to compete for kids with strong resumes by offering merit money. Now, there's two important things to know about merit not um every every family is eligible for merit based aid but not all colleges offer merit based aid so the last thing you want to have happen is have a you know really bright kid they apply to 6 8 10 different schools they get in and then you find out after the fact the school didn't even offer merit based financial aid so so that's one type and that is available to everyone so when a parent says to me I know we're not going to be eligible for financial aid you know, that's untrue. Every family is eligible. They may not be eligible for need-based aid, and, and need-based aid is really all based on the finances of the family. So, um, you know, in the fall of this student senior year of high school, the parents will be filing some financial aid forms. Um, one is called the FAFSA, which is a federal form. Um, there's about 300 private schools that require an additional form called the CSS Profile. And, and on these forms, you're going to be providing, you know, parent income, parent assets, student income, student assets, certain demographics of the family, and the Department of Education will do a calculation, and it, and it spits out a number called um, the Student Aid Index, or the SAI. It used to be the EFC. So there's been some big changes through the FAST for Simplification Act that's that's being rolled out this year for the class of 24. So there's some some new terminology. So so this EFC or SAI number is is really your deductible. This is what the colleges say you can afford for one year of school for one student. So let's say hypothetically, um your son or daughter applies to a school that costs eighty thousand dollars a year. That's the sticker price in this family's um, SAI is 40,000. Well, this family is going to be eligible for the difference in need-based financial aid. So in a perfect world, they apply to an $80,000 a year school. Um, they have to come up with their 40, that's their SAI, that's their deductible, but then they're going to get a $40,000 financial aid package as well.
2: Wow. That's a lot of numbers there. Okay. But let me, maybe just to simplify this a little bit, uh, to the merit-based aid, which is more interesting to me and maybe others, uh, what percentage of schools offer that? Is it a small amount? I mean, where where are
3: we in the spectrum there? No, it's it's a it's a large amount. I would say the majority of schools will offer some form of of merit-based financial aid. Where you mm-hmm. won't find merit, uh, and you can probably guess, uh, the prestigious elite public and private schools. So. You know, if anyone's trying to apply to an Ivy League school or, you know, a Boston College, a Georgetown, um, an Emory, a University of Chicago, those elite private schools, those schools have made the determination, we are not going to offer merit-based financial aid because who would we give it to? Every kid that's applying to these schools, every kid that we accept, they're all rock stars. So those colleges, those institutions have made the determination, the only financial aid we are going to give out is based on need. And if you know going in that you don't qualify for need because you make too much or you have too much, and the school doesn't offer merit, you get into one of those schools. You're paying full price.
1: So what? uh, Again, even even these days, an upper middle class parent uh, is still looking at so many expenses. I mean, retirement is is expensive. Home prices have gone up. What do you tell people is the best way to? take care of those kids college or maybe the better question is are there things that parents should do to even consider something other than college or involve the kids in the process what's the best way to get around the fact that retirement needs to be your number one goal and it may be tough for you to put enough away for the kids to get a a, an expensive education
3: yeah absolutely When, when when the students begin to apply on the admission side for colleges right so they're they're in charge of the admissions piece. And then the, the parents are typically involved in the financial aid piece. And, you know, if they've done a good job, if, if we're working together, they know before they even apply to schools, whether or not they're going to be eligible for aid. And we're able to give them an actual projection on what they're looking at for a net cost before they even submit those applications. So if they know going in that, you know, there's no way we're going to apply to a school where we have to pay $80,000 a year. Then I tell them, well, what's the point of applying? What's the, p- the point of going to visit that campus? You know, the, the worst thing that could happen is you tour that school, your kid falls in love with with, with the campus or with the program, then you've got to tell them there's, there's no way we can afford this. So generally speaking, I go through the, the the planning process, the forecasting process with the parents. And once we know what those results are likely to be, at that point, we need to involve the kids. They need to know exactly what they're looking at for costs and what some of their alternatives are, Mm -hmm. right? I recommend that every family apply to their in-state state state school, right? You're probably not going to get anything cheaper than that. You know, in Massachusetts, you know, UMass Amherst, you know, you're looking at probably in the low to mid-30s. And for any family that's not qualifying for need-based aid, you're not going to beat that price. The reality is most families are looking at somewhere between 30 and 40, best case scenario.
2: We're talking with Jim Femia. He's a senior financial advisor at Appella Wealth. He also specializes in uh, helping people plan for college finances, and he holds the certified college funding specialist designation. Okay, so it wasn't that long ago. I think it was like three years ago. COVID came along. Uh, kids didn't go back to college. A lot of colleges closed, et cetera. And have we seen the real fallout from that? In that there was some discussion that prices may come down or stop going up at, uh,
3: at at fancy colleges. That happened at all? We we have seen some colleges put in tuition freezes. So whatever the cost of attendance is for freshman year of college, they've guaranteed that they will not increase rates for the for the next four years. But still, it's still a big number, right? Where you're starting from. Um, so that is that is one part. Um, the other thing we're seeing coming out of COVID is we are, historically, you don't typically see a whole lot of merit aid coming out of state schools. Um, s- since COVID, we have noticed, I think some of the state schools are having trouble filling seats. And we are starting to see some merit aid thrown at kids um, to attract them to those universities.
1: Now, we've talked about the high cost of colleges, but we also, ha- we haven't talked about the other side of the coin, which is the low prices that are being paid by employers to get these four-year college graduates. A a four-year college degree doesn't guarantee you a great job. As I can attest, I have three kids with college degrees and none of them didn't get great jobs out of college. It was fact, it was very hard to get a decent paying job. So college doesn't really guarantee you more income. Have you talked or do you talk to parents about the idea of other options I'm talking about trade schools, apprenticeship programs, those kinds of Duke things. Goes, where The, the, goes, jobs, can, the jobs can pay very well.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's not an area that I delve into all that often because the reality is most of the families that are coming to me are coming to me because they know they're committing to going to college. Um, we do have, when I run my forecasts, um, we can project what an average salary would be based on a major for those kids coming out of college. So if someone comes out with an engineering degree, um, we've got some good data that would show, you know, their first year salary is going to be somewhere in the 70 to $75,000 a year range. If you come out with a, a degree in education, you're looking at somewhere in the, you know, $30,000 a year range. So How that is a degree
1: good. in theater? What's that worth? Theater,
2: <laughs> broadcasting.
1: I'll look that up for you. though. I got okay. a son with a degree in theater and <laughs> just what the heck do you do with <laughs> that? Exactly.
2: Okay. I tell you, the elephant in the room, though, we're talking about uh, college financing, all that has to be borrowing money for college. I, again, I these are very simple. Num- I looked it up. It's somewhere around hard, almost $2 trillion in outstanding student loan Uh, 43 million Americans have some sort of student debt. The average is somewhere in the 30,000. I mean, it's just huge. What do you advise people that are going to go to college? Maybe they're going to get some aid, but they're going to have to borrow a bunch to put this young person through school. Do you give any guidance
3: there as to how much it's reasonable to borrow? Oh, absolutely. We, um, you know, one part of, of of my process is I put every client through what I call a pre-approval process. So, you know, I, I treat the situation as if they were going to be buying a new home, right? So if you were going to buy a new home, you would connect with a, um, a mortgage broker or a banker and they would put you through a pre- pre-approval process. They would tell you how much you can afford for that home and what the mortgage payments are going to be. I take that same approach with college. So you should know going in, if you have, you know, between a five twenty nine and maybe some monthly savings, and if you want to take advantage of the student direct loan, if you have a hundred thousand dollars and it ends up costing you two hundred thousand dollars over four years, you need to be really comfortable what those loan payments are going to look like over the next ten years, guys. Ten years at a minimum. Huh. And when you hear stories about students coming out of college with, you know, $100,000 or more of student debt, mm-hmm. um, that's actually not true because the most amount that a student can borrow on their own is through the direct student loan, a federal program, and the maximum amount over four years is $27,000. So when you hear stories about kids coming out with hundred grand, there's a cosigner involved there. And chances are, that's going to be one of the parents. And if those kids are unable to pay back those loans, guess who they're chasing?
1: The parents, yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um now, this came up, Jim, on a recent show. And and the more I've thought about it, the more attractive it sounds to me and I wish it existed when I was a young father. Uh what why why wouldn't with the with the changes to the 529 laws that came about where you can take $35,000 of the 529 and put it in a Roth IRA. Would it be a good idea for parents to consider, even though they don't think they can fund a a college education in its entirety to maybe just put 3,500 a year in for kids over a course of a decade, and then um, just roll it over to a Roth
3: for them right away.
1: I I mean, I run the numbers. It's like $7 million at what the market's (laughs) done over since 1926.
3: Yep. Yep. It's, it's, um, it's a game changer, in my opinion. Um, th- you know, the new rules that came out of the SECURE Act, where you're now allowed to to roll over any leftover funds that are in that 529 plan. So, you know, a new piece of advice is don't close that 529 account, you know, once it's depleted. Mm. Um, because if the account's been established for 15 years, and that's sort of the starting point over the, as far as the rollover goes, um, you know, you can continue to dump money in there and then roll over $35,000 to a, a young kid in their 20s, um, you've run the numbers. Wow. It's, it's we're pretty talking, amazing. I mean,
1: we're really talking real money. If you do it in their 20s, we're talking about many hundreds of thousands, if not millions, depending on how it's invested.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's, that's huge. Okay, that's one change. But are there any other big changes in recent years to kind of the overall financial aid system that people should be aware
3: of? Yeah, so again, a lot of changes for the class of 24 through the uh, FASIL Simplification Act and you know, like anything in life, there's going to be good news and bad news. Um, I guess one piece of good news is they've done a really nice job of simplifying the the form, the FAFSA application. So they've gone from 106 questions down to 36 questions. So that, that that's that's good news. The other piece of good news is grandparent owned 529 plans, right? So grandparent owns the 529, the grandchild is the beneficiary. Um, no longer work against the kid in the financial aid process. Yeah. Oh, so that, that, that's a, that's a big win. Um, another big win is um, contributions into company-sponsored retirement plans, 401Ks, 403Bs. Um, any contribution during the the base year, based on the year that you're filing your financial aid, no longer works against you. So in prior years, let's say your adjusted gross income was 150 dollars and you were putting $20,000 into a, a 401k, they would count $170,000 in the financial aid calculation. Now they're only counting 150. They're not going to count that $20,000. So that's a new strategy that's going to come out of these changes is, you know, there's a real incentive now to to load up on your 401ks and 403bs and at the same time, increasing eligibility for financial aid. Now, what
1: are some of the – because I I guarantee you a a 20-minute or 30-minute podcast isn't going to solve everybody's college funding problems. come on. What are some of the best resources you have found for parents to really get an education about education funding?
3: Yeah, so I have a a couple of go-tos. We have a relationship with a group called College Aid Pro. So, collegeaidpro.com, they are um, the number one rated college planning software out there. It's available to, to everyone. Um, it's, a, it's a free service. Now, obviously, there's opportunities to upgrade into additional additional features and help, uh, but it's a great group. They're very knowledgeable. They put on educational webinars. You can book an hour with an advisor. If, if you determine that you are going to be a do-it-yourselfer, I would strongly recommend you connect with, with College Aid Pro. Great group. The other resource, and, you know, I continue to, to purchase this annually, is the Princeton Review uh, publishes something called Paying for College. Um, it's a book by Kelman Cheney. It's an excellent resource. Um, obviously, this year, very important with all these changes coming out. But again, if you have the time and the desire to sort of run this on your own, I would recommend those two resources. But I also know that, you know, there's a lot of families that don't have the time and the resources. So they would end up, you know, calling an advisor to sort of hold their hand through the process and, and help them through this exercise. And that's where we come in.
2: Yeah. And you guys do a great job of that. Uh, Those are great ideas. Okay. But we talked about the 529. Number one, is that still the best place to save for college? Number two, how about a couple of your favorite 529 plans?
3: Well, it's you know again, it's 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 a personal choice. Um, the most the most common um, vehicles I see used for college will be the five twenty nine, and just a standard brokerage account, right? So if you're the UGMA UTMA kind of yeah, thing, yeah, y- yep. Uh, no, not a UTMA. Absolutely not. So UTMAs get counted in the financial aid process. They get counted mm-hmm. as student assets. So whose
1: brokerage? We're talking about the parents' brokerage. The
3: parents' brokerage account, wow. right.
1: Okay. Yep. But then so stuff parents,
2: grows there and you got to pay the tax when you take it out. That's not as good as a 529, correct?
3: That's the problem. That's the problem. So, you know, between the time you open it and the time that, you know, the student turns 18, it may work just fine, right? Because you can be tax efficient, Uh, But when you start to tap that account to pay the tuition bill, you're then going to generate capital gains probably that's going to decrease your likelihood of getting financial aid. So it's a double-edged sword. I happen to be a big fan of the 529 plans for that reason. Um, We like the uh, My 529 plan out of Utah um, for for a number of reasons. Um, You know, most importantly, they are consistently rated as one of the, the top plans um, from Morningstar and for saving for college, which again is another great resource. Um, the other thing that's great about Utah is they have low expenses, and their investment providers are Vanguard and DFA.
1: Mm-hmm. Terrific and better, choices. Yeah, yeah. And even and- better,
3: even better, Appella has built our own. Factor based models within the my 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 five twenty nine plan at the state of Utah. Didn't really? know that. I didn't. I that. did not huh? know
1: that either. Look at us not getting the information. We'll That's talk about normal.
2: That later. No, kidding, kidding. We didn't say that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, Jim, we are so appreciative of the information, and I know our listeners are too. It is good stuff. Oh, it give is him a very to, important. Just to tell
2: him a little more about what he does for people on an individual. Yeah. What
1: today. do you do for people? Come on,
2: people. give him a shot. Really
1: quickly. That. We yeah. yeah, we have a couple minutes. Yeah. So,
3: again, I'm like you guys, right? I'm an independent fee-only financial advisor that happens to specialize in in the college planning market. Um, you know, when parents are approaching this point in their life, um, I find that in in many cases, it's it's time to get serious about a family's financial plan, right? You know, tax planning becomes very important. It's always important, but even more so during the college years. It's a great time to do a risk assessment, um you know take a look at fees because every dollar we can save you in fees is a dollar we can redirect towards college and again if you need to borrow money you need to make sure that the uh, that you're borrowing from the right spot you have a good understanding on what your what your payback's going to be and most importantly how all of this is going to impact your retirement
1: yeah because the two do have to be considered simultaneously absolutely yeah there's so important.
2: I'm going I'm going to have one in college when I'm no, I'm never retiring
1: Sorry. yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, you, well, you can't afford to. I don't. Because what if she, what if she goes on to uh, grad school? Yeah, it'll, you'll be dead before she gets out of college. Shoot
2: me now. That's my take. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Jim Femia from Appella Wealth, the people who also uh, kind of take care of us. Okay, every they do day. Take care of us yeah. every day. Yeah. Uh, we really appreciate you being here and sharing the information because it's very good information, and we don't talk about college as much as we should because we focus on retirement.
3: Thank you, Don. Thank you, Tom.
2: Thanks, Jim. Uh, Tom, got anything else you want to add? No, I mean, as always, Jim, Femia, thank you for being part of the show because he does great work there. Number two, if you need more help with anything money related, Mm -hmm. yeah, we got people here that talk to you. We do it free. Even college. Yeah, even college. And it's free. I know. So give us a, you can do one or two things. You can go to talkingrealmoney.com, click on meet an advisor. That's easy. Or... Mm -hmm. You can call a lot of calls this week, 800-386-3004, 800-386-3004.
1: Tom's actually gone out and got the brand new implanted cell phone because the phone rings so much
2: that it literally just
1: touches his ear and it and it's in his yeah. brain. So you can just call Tom direct 24-7 now. Uh, Please. You got nothing else to do, right? Exactly. All right. Thank you all for being a part of our little get together. We do so much appreciate it. And we hope you'll tell a friend or two or or if you know a thousand people, tell a thousand people, share it on Facebook or your favorite social media. Like us, ring the bell. Oh, wait, we don't have any of those things, do we? Subscribe, ring the bell. I think you can subscribe talkingrealmoney.com and go to talkingrealmoney.com click on meet an advisor and uh, please join us all the time call us on saturdays eight five five nine three five talk do i have anything else no i do I not you got it take good yep. care of yourselves we'll talk to you very very soon like way too soon where uh, once again we'll be talking real money
0: is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That to keep the lawyers happy.